0: on healing the healing ministry this is part three has to do with the atonement in the first sermon i did i talked about the importance of us growing in faith how many knows that we need to grow in faith i mean we may be at a certain faith level but all of us and i include myself very much in this i want to be next year i want to be more in the in a higher level of faith believing for things that i've never been able to before and so there's always, I believe, a constant growth of faith where we're going from glory to glory. We're going from faith to faith. There's, there's higher levels. And I also talked about last week, I gave out a chart that, you know, people actually purchased, but it was a chart that had to do with prayer. It has to, be, uh, has to do with growing in faith and using it, applying it to your life. And we went mainly through that, but I believe that that's going to transform a lot of lives. I really do. How many of you guys got a chart? And how many of you guys have been using it? All right. I saw some hands through the live stream. Okay. I'm, I'm in tune with you guys. Okay. So let me go ahead and jump into this. But next week, Brother Zach going to be bringing a powerful word. It's going to be dealing with the Cambridge Revival. And it's important to honor the fathers of the faith. So I want you guys to be here next week. I'm going to tell you, he's been doing a phenomenal job. He's a great teacher. And I've really enjoyed his teachings. We went through the First Great Awakening. Uh, with the Wesley brothers and we've gone through some others and we went through Edwards and and I believe that this is really going to be a blessing so y'all be here if there was ever a revival like I said when they create the time machine okay <laughs> I'm going to pay to go back to the Cane Ridge revival and see that okay and it was just an amazing revival if you read it just the power of God came down and what blew me away was that the revival opened it's like the heavens opened they came for a communion service. They came to take the Lord's Supper. That shows the awesome power of communion. I've always known. I, I, I actually learned that the Cambridge Revival was all about that. I didn't know that until recently. But um, I've always known that there's an awesome power in taking communion. I always knew that the communion was connected to um, the presence of God. But it blew me away to see a historic move of God. Probably one of the greatest moves of God in our nation's history that it's like the heavens opened and the power and the glory of God fell as they took communion you should read the testimonies it's amazing and Brother Zach will get into that next week but this week I want to go ahead and talk about how healing is in the atonement it was paid for at Calvary this is how much God loves us and wants us healed that he was willing to allow Jesus to take that on his body did you know that Jesus, it would have been enough for him just to die for our sins and that's it? That would have been far more than we deserve, wouldn't you agree? But it didn't stop there. When Jesus died on the cross, he also took those lashes on his back and as he hung on that tree, he paid in full for our healing. So Jesus gave his body for our body. You see that? He gave his body for Now, love Benny Hinn says this. He says, the back of the cross, if you look at the back of it, it's for your healing. If you look at the front of it, it's for your forgiveness of your sins. So Jesus took those stripes on his back so that we could be healed today. And healing is not limited to physical healing. Jesus paid for our spiritual healing, and he paid for our emotional, psychological healing as well. You know how many people I've seen healed of mental illness? So Jesus paid for all of it. He paid to bind up and heal the brokenhearted. I believe that's what happened when Jesus' heart burst and the blood and water ran. Jesus paid for the broken heart to be bound up. So I'm going to tell you, healing is a big part of the atonement. And when Jesus came, I want you to think about this. He said, when you see me, you see the Father. He's the reflection, God in the flesh. God came and tabernacled among us. He wrapped himself in flesh and came among us. And what did Jesus do while he was on the earth? He healed the sick and he delivered the captives. Now I want you to think about this. Jesus could have done anything he wanted to do, really. I mean, he was in tune with the Father, but the Father could have had him point up to the sky and the stars could have moved and wrote his name or something spectacular like that. And and people could have looked at that and been like, wow, this is the Son of God. Jesus, instead of cursing a fig tree in private with just a few disciples singing, if he really wanted to, he could have hollered at everybody. And they come out to the the woods out there and he could have pointed and cursed all these trees and they all withered right there in front of everybody. And then he could have spoken, and they came back to life. He could have done a lot of different things. But what Jesus chose to do, especially in public, was he chose to heal the sick and deliver people that were tormented by demons. Why? Because he loves and cares about people. And his power was linked to his love and his concern for people that are hurting It wasn't just to show off so that people would believe in him because if it was just about showing off his power so you could believe, he could have done a lot of other spectacular things. So it wasn't really so much that. He did do signs and wonders so that people would believe. I I know that that's part of it. But it seemed to center around motives of love where he would feed people that were hungry. He would deliver people that were tormented by demons and he would heal people that were sick and hurting. Does that make sense? And so when Jesus, when it came time for him to go on the cross, how many of you guys have ever seen the passion of the Christ? You saw the reality of, yeah, it is horrible But I mean, here he is, he's, he's having to take these lashes on his back, but he did it because he loves us. I'm going to tell you something. You know, there was people there mocking Jesus on the cross, saying, why don't you heal yourself? Why don't you get down? He could have. Don't think for a minute he couldn't have. He could have got down. But he stayed there and endured that for a reason. Everything had to be fulfilled. So don't you just follow with me here on 1 Peter 2.24 It says, Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by his wounds you were healed. In Isaiah 53:5, it says, He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities or bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the chastening for our well-being, our peace fell upon Him. And by His scourging, His wounds, His stripes we are healed. So this is a big part of the covenant that we have. And listen, whenever Jesus as we study His life and we study His death and we study His resurrection we need to understand that this is a covenant. It's a covenant right. Just like for example when we when we accept Christ as our Savior and we ask forgiveness for our sins, there's a covenant right with God that that our sins are pardoned and cleansed. In the same way, there's a covenant right for our our sickness to be healed. It's part of the covenant. When Jesus came and He died on the cross, what you've got to understand is, is that first and foremost, there was a covenant that was taking place between God the Father and God the Son that was a blood covenant. I think people all the time look at that covenant and think what's between me and Jesus first, first. It was between God the Father and God the Son first. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, by the blood that He shed, there was a covenant that was cut, there was blood shed between Him and the Father for the salvation of mankind. And the salvation of mankind did not just have to do with our sins being forgiven. That's the main thing. But it also had to do with healing and deliverance. Protection. And also provision. All of that was wrapped up in what Jesus paid for us to have on the cross. And so what you got to understand is, is that God the Father, God the Son, there's a covenant that we share in that covenant. And God wants us to understand that it's something that there's... that. Not that in an arrogant way, but in a humble way, we have a right to this. Jesus paid for us to have it. It's like, for example, if somebody was, if you were an heir, and you had a relative that told you, when I die, I'm putting this in the will, and there's going to be something substantial, and it's going to be in this bank account, and it's available to you upon my death. And up until that point in time, that did not belong to you. But once they died, according to the law, now it was able to be yours. And that will made it available. It was like now you had legal right to it because of that will. And it opened up all that provision to come. Jesus, upon his death, he paid now that everything that he paid for, all of it's there for us now that because of His death, we can ascertain that it can come into our lives. So since healing was paid for in the atonement, just like forgiveness of sin and deliverance, we should be looking for our lives to line up with the Word of God. Amen? If there is something hindering the flow of life, health, or blessing, we should be seeking the Lord for revelation. Lord what is the obstacle? what is trying to hinder the flow of what Jesus paid for me to have on the cross? because that should be flowing in and through our lives It really should be but the truth of the matter is many people can say that they've gone through times in their Christian walk in varying situations that arose where they needed what Jesus paid for them to have on the cross. And they really had to press in by faith and lay hold of the promises of God so that that could flow. But not only that, but there might have been something, some kind of an obstacle that was trying to hinder the flow of blessing in their life. And I'm not just dealing with healing, but I'm dealing with a lot of things. Provision. (coughs) Jesus paid for your prosperity because the Bible says when Adam sinned, God told Adam, cursed is the ground because of you and by the sweat of your brow you'll eat but remember jesus took thorns on his brow and his brow bled so that that curse is broken and now what you can have supernatural provision but it's there's times in your life when you're going to need supernatural provision and those are the times that you've got to look at the cross and you have got to lay hold of it by faith and pull that promise unto yourself and if, and if you're seeing a stubborn situation you need to ask the Lord Lord what is the problem what is trying to hinder this flow because Jesus paid for this for me and so if there's something trying to hinder the flow show me and he will but what we cannot do is start making weird doctrines that fit our circumstances and our experience are you hearing me I'm not going to do that There's been times in my life where it took a long time to get a breakthrough, but I never once changed my doctrine just because it was hard. The problem's not with God, and the problem's not with God's Word. So I had to humble myself and say, Lord, help me, what is the deal? And there were times that God had to strengthen my faith. There were times that God had to help me forgive somebody. There were times that God had to deal with me maybe about a sin in my life or whatever. And once I dealt with that, the blessings began to flow. Now I'm going to tell you something else. Our tongue has a lot to do with the Word of God being released in our lives. The words of our mouth. That we're speaking the Word of God over our lives. Kenneth Hagin was a great man of faith and and a father in a lot of this understanding about um, what Jesus paid for us having the cross and, and walking by faith. But he said that he prayed and believed God for his healing. But for a whole year, he had to keep speaking the Word of God over his life. Keep speaking the Word of God. And it took a whole year for his life to gradually um, alter and his health to improve to a place to where he was fully healed. Think about that. But through that time, he didn't change his doctrine. He He didn't start altering the Word of God. He didn't get disillusioned with God and angry at God and frustrated because it was hard, because it took time. No, he kept speaking the word of God over himself. And over time, his life began to line up with the word. Is this making sense? So the Bible says in Mark eleven twenty three, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received it, and it will be granted unto you whenever you stand praying forgive you got to make sure you forgive people if you have anything against anyone so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you for your transgression but i want you to go back to that first um verse 24 where it says believe that you have received it this is the point i want to make right here a lot of christians don't really understand this scripture and it's got to be something that comes alive whenever we pray about things you've you and I both, we have got to believe that God has heard us and that He has answered us and it is happening. That is so important because it doesn't matter whether it has to do with healing or anything else. How many knows all of us are going to be praying about things throughout our lives? It could be a number of things. We need, we need provision. We need an answer prayer. We need a miracle. We need God to fix a situation. Something is wrong and we need His help. Whenever we pray about things we need to believe that He has heard us and that He is acting on our behalves, that we believe it to be done, and then our mouths are going to start agreeing with that. We're going to be saying, after we pray, the next day, we're going to be saying, Lord, I thank you that you heard my prayer and that you're at work in this situation. Once we get to that place where we believe we have received it, then the Scripture goes on to say that you speak to the mountain. That's what it's talking about. You believe that you have received it, and so now you move from the place of begging God to now you are speaking over the situation. God, I've already prayed about this. I believe that you're working. So I thank you, Lord. And you begin to speak the word of God over your situation. And things will begin to change. I know that there is some stuff as far as the, in the faith and, and prosperity circle that's extreme. But I do believe in this right here that we have to pray with faith. Because the Bible says that um, it says without faith it's impossible to please God. But it says if you pray according to the will of God, you have what you ask. So we know it's the will of God about healing. We know it's the will of God about souls being saved. We know it's the will of God that He supply all of our needs. We know it's the will of God about a lot of these things because there's promises specifically in the Word that show us it's the will of God. So when you pray about these things, we've got to believe that God hears us and that He is acting on our behalf. If you don't believe that and you leave out of your prayer time saying, well, I hope God heard me. I don't know if he's doing anything. That doubt and that unbelief can actually hinder the flow. God's wanting us to begin to grow up in our faith to a place where we believe him. And too many people have tried to make doctrines out of experiences and circumstances. They prayed and they didn't see a breakthrough. And they didn't understand why they didn't see a breakthrough. But they didn't see a breakthrough. And so they got frustrated. They got frustrated with God. And they began to change. Well, I guess the Bible means this. And they begin to change and make a doctrine to fit their circumstance. But what they're doing is they're deceiving themselves. And then they're deceiving every person that they're teaching that false doctrine to. 1 John 3.8 says, The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. So what we have is people, I'm not going to dwell on this, but the cessation doctrine, where people believe that all the gifts and all the healings and everything's you know died off with the early church. That's false doctrine. The doctrine that speaks of God's sovereignty in a weird way, where they're like, God is sovereign and whatever happens is just going to happen. God's in charge of everything, so it just whatever happens, it just happens. It's, you know, That's very false. Actually, God, when He created man and He put Adam on the earth, He, he gave him authority to take care of the earth and to operate in that authority. And I'm going to tell you that God... It's waiting for us many times to step out in our authority. So in other words, everything is not just sovereign. When sin entered the world, that the sin has caused there to be death, and it's caused there to be sickness, it's caused there to be poverty and famine and wars and all these horrible things that came into the earth through sin. Jesus died on the cross. Now he's wanting us to enforce what He paid for the world to have. He's wanting us to help people get saved. He wants us to help bring provision to those that need it. He wants us to help bring healing to the sick and deliver the captives. And so this whole thing about just God's sovereignty, that that's not true. God is actually wanting, He said this, he, Jesus said, pray this way, that the kingdom of God come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God desires. But right now, we live behind enemy lines right now Satan has some kind of a jurisdiction that's quickly running out. So as we're living behind enemy lines and Satan is at work and he's battling, we're supposed to be bringing the kingdom of God into this realm, and this earth realm is where Satan seems to have dominion. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the kingdom of God comes in, and now there's supernatural provision. There's healing for the sick. There's deliverance. There's breakthroughs. There's miracles. There's other weird false doctrines that back in the 40s and 50s our spiritual fathers and mothers of the faith had to deal with some of these doctrines but one of them was that um, if you're being sick or poor or whatever that you're suffering with Christ and that's not true. The suffering that we do with Christ has to do with being persecuted. Okay? If Jesus wanted us to suffer with sickness then why in the world did He take it on His back at Calvary? There's always been a weird doctrine. I actually had this documented a couple of weeks ago and was going to talk about it. And interestingly enough, last week this came up in a conversation where there's a weird teaching about Paul's thorn in the flesh being a sickness and that has nothing to do with what it was. The Bible says what it was. It was a spirit that was following him around, attacking his life. And the Bible says that. But people, you know, change the scriptures to fit their circumstances. But the earnest, heartfelt prayer of the righteous brings power and God's wanting us to come up to a new level of faith and I feel just for River of Life what I feel is going on is is that we're going up to a new level we're going up to a new level of power and going up to a new level of faith and a new level of the miraculous and I can feel it I feel the anointing rising I feel this it's just incredible and I'm going to tell you there's an atmosphere that came in Tuesday that's going to continue to increase that's a healing fire, a healing atmosphere coming into this ministry like never before. And what God's doing through this series is, is he gonna, He's going to increase our faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So as you preach on the Word, there's an increase of faith that's coming. So I want you to look at the Scripture, James 5, 16. Confess one, one to one another your faults. And pray for one another that you be healed and restored. This is the Amplified Version. This is my favorite version of the Scripture right here. It says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. So in other words, whenever we're not seeing something that we know that the Scriptures say we should have, we've got to press into God. The Bible says if you'll press into Him, the earnest, heartfelt prayer of the righteous will make tremendous power available. Press in for whatever it is. Don't give up. Keep going after God for it. In Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power. He went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. It's the anointing that breaks through. Matthew 6.10, again it says, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So remember this, Jesus healed everyone that came to him. There was never anybody that Jesus turned away. Jesus took it on the cross. It's in the atonement. It was paid for just like your sin was paid for. It was paid for. So Jesus wants us healed. He wouldn't have paid for it. He wouldn't have gone through all that he did in the suffering so that we could be healed if it wasn't the will of God to be healed. Do you see what I'm saying? So Jesus taught us who the problem is. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Did you know, up until that time, nobody really knew that much about the devil. The scriptures just alluded to him in the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, he really helped us understand the devil in a way that we, the, the people of the earth have never really understood him before. And Jesus taught us that for the very first time, he showed people, now wait a second, it is the thief, it is Satan who's come to steal, kill, and destroy But he said, I've come that you have life, and life abundant. So you need to understand that that sickness is something that originated because of sin and because of Satan. It is not something that God is releasing in the earth. Do you understand that God is not sick? (laughs) So he can't give you sickness. And not only that, there's no sickness in heaven for him to hand down to you. So you go, let me give you this. This good sickness over here in heaven, I'm just going to throw it down to you. There's nothing there for him to draw from to send your way. All this sickness business is on the earth realm and it traffics because of the sin and because we live in Satan's domain here for now. But Jesus is wanting us to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and that is literally that the power and the glory of God, his manifest presence coming in the earth, that is is causing the souls to be saved because the Spirit of God is drawing them in and bringing healing and deliverance. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you remember the Scripture that says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink as you suppose, but what? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now think about this. Righteousness has to do with your spiritual well-being, your spirit man. Peace has to do with your soul area being healed and whole. And joy has to do with your physical health. So the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's righteousness in your spirit, man. Peace in your soul. And joy in your body. So let me close with these thoughts. I'm going to pray for people. Listen, there's two things God's going to do tonight. Number one, if there's sick people, I believe God's going to heal you. Number two, God is also going to impart something. I'm telling you. There was something that is starting to come in this ministry um, In the way of an anointing for healing And a presence for healing Like we've never had It's a whole new level And it really broke in here on Tuesday And I want you guys tonight Whenever we pray I want you to get prayer Let God anoint you in a new fresh way And let's keep pressing in together for healing Amen For a new level of the healing ministry you see, listen, we can operate in the gifts and we can lay hands on the sick and God's going to do it. But also, there's a realm before the presence and the glory of God is so thick in a place and in a meeting that people are just being healed just from being in the presence of God. So here's something as well sickness can be just a physical sickness, okay? But Jesus also drove out some demons that were causing sickness, and that's in the Bible. How many guys have read the Bible? Come on, how many people have read the scriptures? All right. So you remember Jesus sometimes would cast a demon out of somebody and they would be healed because the demon left. So sometimes you're not just dealing with just a physical condition, you're dealing with a spirit of infirmity or a spirit of death. And so when you're dealing with demonic sickness and disease, you've got to get the breakthrough from that spirit. Why is it there? You know, there was a, one time there's a story, this lady, it's a true story. Um, she had come to this meeting, and she had cancer, and she was dying. And she was real pale and super skinny. And I mean, she was right at, at death's door. I mean, it was bad. <clears throat> and she had come down to get prayer. And the evangelist that was praying for people really felt in her case that it was a demonic spirit of death. Okay, because death produces things like cancer. Okay, it's a spirit of death. And he commanded that spirit to leave that girl. Now, this is a Christian girl that loved Jesus, but she was being oppressed by a spirit of death. That thing left her. She fell on the ground. She got up. Now, this is a true story. She left out of there. She said she felt a release, you know, but she left out still pale and everything. She said the next day her appetite returned. And you know, within just a couple days, she looked like a completely different person. God had totally healed her from that cancer Now I'm going to tell you something else These spirits, there was a man that I I loved his ministry And um, he had been in the ministry for about 50 years And whenever he was taking authority over these spirits He would say things like this He said, I command the spirit of cancer that you're going to come out And you're going to take all the cancer out with you And there were people that would go back to the doctor And the doctor would say, well, it's all gone I mean, it's just, it all, is just, it's not there anymore and what happened is the spirit left and, and the God and the commanded that spirit, you're not just going to leave, you're going to take it out with you. And that spirit would have to take all that junk out with him. And I'm telling all this for a reason. Some of you guys are going to be praying for the sick down the road and I want you to remember these stories. <coughs> but sometimes there's a spirit that you've got to deal with. And I, te- I dealt with that in my first sermon, but when somebody has a chronic issue where it'll leave and then it'll come back or whenever they go to get prayer or they go to church or something like that they feel all of a sudden it'll flare up that's a sign that maybe it's a spirit because it's it's trying to oppose you as you're going to church as you're going to get prayer all of a sudden something's flaring up there's a lot of pain or it will try to move from one part of the body to the next it's as though you get prayer for the right arm and it's healed, and then it jumps over on your left arm. All of a sudden, you never had a problem with your left arm, but now you start to have a problem with your left arm. It's like, what in the world? The spirit jumped over there. So what I'm saying is these things can be a sign that maybe it's a spirit. Or if you keep, and I'm going to tell you something else. The prayer of faith is so powerful, but when you're just praying, in Jesus' name I command, be healed, they're hit by the power of God, that alone by itself is not going to fix the problem if there's a spirit that's there. You see what I'm saying? You've got to get that thing out of people's lives. Once it's gone, then the healing will will really be able to take in their life and they'll be able to make a full recovery. And sometimes there can be deep-seated issues. And this is where these spirits come from. Let me give you a couple things. One is it has to do with iniquity. I've taught a lot on this. I'm going to move quickly. But we all know sin is missing the mark. That's what sin means. Sin, everybody sins at some point in time. That's why the Bible says if you say you're without sin, you just deceive yourself. But when we sin, confess your sin, and God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all sin. We do our best to live holy. None of us are perfect. So all of us at times sin. Okay, but sin, and now there's transgressions. Transgressions is totally different. Transgressions is translated rebellion. And this is where somebody knows something is wrong... And they they calculate it in their mind But they still do it anyway That's not a sin in God's eyes It's a transgression And it's it's a much worse Situation because you did it premeditated That's why the Bible says For example that Eve was deceived And so she sinned but Adam Was not deceived and so he Transgressed Adam knew what he was doing Alright then you deal with the realm of iniquity Iniquity is translated bent crooked Or perverse and what it is it is when something is on the inside of somebody that is iniquity, and it's an iniquity drive to where there's something within them that is bent toward something. For example, and this is real, because I know some people don't believe in generational curses, but they're legitimate. And I've, I've seen people get totally totally free from things. Well, let's say that there was something in a family bloodline that had to do with maybe strong alcohol tendencies. Now, somebody has inherited this iniquity drive where they seem to be, they seem to have a disposition to where they're just naturally drawn toward alcohol. There's something bent in them toward that. But Jesus paid for that at Calvary because it says he was bruised for your iniquity. And when you're bruised, you bleed on the inside. So those bent tendencies, it could be lust, it could be uh, sexual sins, it could be many things. And I'll tell you one that's real common is if there's witchcraft in the occult that's in families, a lot of times in the bloodline, there'll be people that have a fascination toward it. They feel a draw toward the witchcraft. And they don't know why, but they they find themselves drawn toward it. That's an iniquity drive. Iniquity drives is it's something that's bent, but it's literally like they're being drawn toward those sins. But the Lord can cleanse that out of us. But that is something, those iniquity drives is something that many times demonic spirits will sit on those things and we've got to get get that stuff dealt with. So here's the good news. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity. The punishment that brought peace was on Him. So we can be cleansed of these things by His blood. When you pierce somebody, they bleed on the outside. But when when you bruise somebody, they bleed on the inside. So the Lord paid both outside and inside there's going to be a cleansing. So we can be free from these iniquity drives. And I'll tell you something else that's really weird is the whole thing with DNA. You, did you know that there are certain things, like psoriasis, for example, that seems to be genetic? That can be demonic, I'm sure, as well, but it seems to be genetic. But did you know that Jesus can rewrite DNA and heal people? Let me give you a true story. There was a woman, and some of you have heard me tell this, but she had been involved with all this criminal activity and drugs and all this, and she got put in prison. In prison, she came to know Jesus, and it was a very sincere, real conversion. She really was born again. Her life was totally changed. And later on, all of a sudden, there was this new criminal activity that, that the cops had, had, had found evidence, and they went in, they did DNA testing, and this woman had been involved. Her DNA was there, okay? Okay. But they took the DNA that they found, and then they tested her DNA, and it didn't match anymore. When she became born again, the Bible says, old things pass away, and everything becomes new, and you become a new creation. Isn't that something that her DNA altered when she became a true Christian? I can tell you that I've met people, and my wife is one of them, that when they... Because of their Christianity You can look back at their old life And look at them now And they literally look like Two completely different people I look at old pictures of my wife From way back before she was a Christian And she honestly does not even look like The same person to me So literally the Lord gives us a new creation I believe that God can rewrite DNA So if you feel that there's something That's a DNA issue God can fix that for you real easy And another thing is bitter roots some people get hurt and wounded and they get unforgiveness and they let that unforgiveness stay for a little while. and Pretty soon, it turns into bitterness. Bitterness is where now there's roots that are down in them and they tend to be very angry. They, they tend to be negative. They tend to be critical. And, and there's something about their spiritual DNA that is now altered. They're a different person for the negative. Now they're bitter. And I'm going to tell you something. Bitter people have a tendency to be sick. They have a tendency toward things. They have a tendency toward arthritis is one of them that's real common with bitter people. But I'm going to tell you, bitterness is a very serious sin before God, and it can be a door for these spirits to oppress people. And the last one I'll talk about is this, is soul issues. Your soul area, your emotions and your mind, those areas can be damaged and wounded, and spirits try to come in and take up residence. People have broken hearts, man. They've been wounded. They've been traumatized, even as a kid, and they carry those wounds. I'm going to tell you, time does not heal wounds. Jesus heals wounds. Time just causes you to forget they're there, but it doesn't mean that they're not there. So people have been damaged. They've been wounded in life. They've been psychologically damaged and scarred. And they, and they grow up and they don't realize why is there a sickness. It could be that there's some damage on the soul area that needs to be healed. And there may even be a tormenting spirit that has tried to attach itself there. But God can heal you. Jesus said what? I've come to bind up and heal the broken heart. So bottom line is Jesus was pierced for the iniquity. When you become a Christian, you become a new creation. So that takes care of any DNA issues. God can cleanse you and heal you from any bitterness. Amen. And not only that, but if you have an inner healing issue, Jesus will bind up and heal the brokenhearted. So pretty much, I've got a scripture for every one of these problems right here that God promises He'll take care of it. So whatever issue you feel like you have, God can set you free. He can heal you. But sometimes there's a spirit, and I believe that there's some people that are going to be liberated from some things. I really do. There's some bondage. Okay? And sometimes whenever you're dealing with a spirit and it's stubborn, you need to find out how it got there. Why is it there? Did it come in through a trauma? Did it come in through a sin? Did it come down the bloodline? How did this thing enter somebody's life? What's the point of entry? And once you figure that out, and the Holy Spirit will tell you, then you can deal with that, and the spirit will have to leave and let me tell you something else when you're dealing with spirits don't have a conversation to drive it out you hear me and don't sit around and try, try to think well I hope it has to go no Jesus said these signs follow them that believe in my name will drive out spirits they have to go they have to listen to us and when you have faith and you're driving out the enemy they'll leave but if the person has something in their life that's allowing it back, so that's what I'm trying to deal with. We, we need to deal with the acts to the root of these things, okay? All right, so 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and your body, be kept in health. Even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers, it is God's will that we walk in divine health and prospers, our soul prospers. It's in the Scriptures. And in Romans eight eleven. I love the Scripture. But if the same Spirit... Of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your bodies to the Spirit who dwells in you. Did you know as a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in you? And the Holy Spirit will give life to your body. So here's what I'm gonna close with, and we're gonna pray. Number one is continue to speak the word of God over your life. Be deliberate about it. If you've had idolatry or iniquity, If you've had bitter roots, if you've had sexual pollution from your past sexual sins, any sex outside of marriage is sin, and many, many people pick up some pretty serious spiritual problems from that. If you have curses, like generational curses, they can be broken. If you have bondages, addictions, they can be broken. If you have strongholds in your mind of like pride or fear, it can come down. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is so powerful that there's not a problem that can possibly be in your life that he can't take care of. And take care of it easy. It's not hard for God. So here's what we got to do. We got to humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face. And let him come heal our land. That is the key. If we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and confess our sin, turn from our sin. He will come and heal the landscape of your life. But I believe with all my heart that a lot of times people have opened themselves up for this. And I want you to hear this and I'm going to pray with people. In the home and in churches, but in people's lives, a lot of times the problem is this right here. There's division or disorder. And that can be a huge door for the enemy. Where there's been strife... And there's been fighting, there's been division in the home, I'm telling you, it allows the enemy in. Also, if there's been disorder, where the husband has not been the leader in the things of God he's supposed to be, or the wife has not been submissive, as the Bible says, in everything as unto the Lord, when there's that type of disorder, that can be a big door for the enemy. Because it's not right with God. It's just not. And when we deal with these things and we confess our sin, does the Bible say He'll forgive us, But we've got to repent of it. That means now we're going to be peacemakers. So, you know, every married couple knows this. Every married person here knows how to push the other person's buttons. Every single brother and sister knows what annoys their brother the most. But did you know by picking and picking and picking at people and causing there to be this blow up and strife and fight, did you know that you're giving place to the devil? It's funny when you're joking around, but it's not funny because it can cause a heaviness in a home in an atmosphere in a home that's not right with God. What about dishonor and disrespect? Did you know by dishonoring and disrespecting each other and treating each other like you're stupid, like you're an idiot and all this stuff, that's not right with God. And it grieves the Holy Spirit. And I believe with all my heart that the the way that we treat other people in our homes and our families, husbands will be belittling to a wife, a wife will be belittling to the husband, it's back and forth and it's it's disrespectful and dishonoring, it's tearing them down. Or there's strife and fighting, there's going to bed angry like the Bible says not to do, the home is out of order, that those things right there are opening the door for the enemy to oppress. And some of that oppression can be sickness. That's why 1 Peter 3 talked about wives being submissive. And then it talks about the husband. and It said to the husband, And don't treat your wives disrespectfully and hinder your prayers. So a husband that's treating his wife disrespectfully, their prayers are being hindered and they wonder, Why do I keep praying about this and praying about this and praying about this? And it's not happening. Maybe because God's hindering your prayers because of the way you're treating your wife. Kids that are disrespectful to their parents and won't and won't honor their parents. I'm going to tell you, that right there can be a door for the enemy. So what I'm saying is, is that people say, well, why am I not getting a breakthrough? There can be about 50 different reasons. We've got to seek God. What is the deal? And God may say, you still have unforgiveness toward this person that burned you 20 years ago. You've never dealt with it. You just forgot about it. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, Lord, you're right. And then you pray about it. And all of a sudden, answer prayers start happening. What is clogging the flow? What is it that's trying to hinder the flow? What I'm trying to get people to understand is, is Jesus paid for it on Calvary. So it's a covenant between Him and the Father. It's already done. It's in the bank account. So quit arguing with yourself and your mind. Is it God's will and all this stuff? Get all that stuff out. It's settled. It's all, It's God's will. So now we need to say, Lord, What is the problem? Why is there not a flow? What is going on? There should be a flow of life, healing, provision. It should be flowing. What is blocking the blessing? Show me and I'll repent. And repentance is not asking forgiveness and quitting it for a week and then going back to it two weeks later. That's not repentance. And something else we need to be believing God for, for all of us, is to pray that the level of the anointing and the glory keeps increasing. Because it's the anointing and the glory that brings a lot of healing. Pray that the gifts will be at work powerfully. Because the gifts bring healing. And also pray that God will send His angels to bring breakthrough. The angels of the Lord really do help with this. Y'all ready tonight? Man, I feel the water stirring. I, I want to I believe God for revelation okay what is it that's trying to hold people back what is it that's trying to hinder you I want you to uh, brother Zach if you shut down recordings for me we're going to pray